Well, I really don't know what to say because uh, we've already sung through the psalm a number of times. So uh, whatever I say has already been said, so it's a good thing. So thank you for leading the music tonight to reflect uh, Psalm 103. It's a great psalm. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 103. In our morning services, we've seen how important... Uh, the resurrection is. In fact, I wouldn't say it's important. I'd say it's absolutely essential and necessary. And we said why we, well, there's really several reasons why the resurrection is so important. First, it was promised by God in the scripture, in the Old Testament scriptures. And it was promised by the Lord Jesus Christ. So whenever God gives his word, whatever he says is important. And whatever he says he's going to do is important. That makes the resurrection necessary. But it also affirmed the success of the finished work of the cross. The resurrection is God's declaration that the work of Jesus was pleasing in God's sight and that God is satisfied. And there is nothing that holds Jesus Christ in the grave and he is raised from the grave in victory over sin and death. It it declares God's delight in the finished work of, of the cross. And it also revealed the life that is necessary for us to live the Christian life. According to Scripture, you cannot live the Christian life if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead. You need His life in you to live for Him. And that's one of the reasons why it is necessary. And it secured resurrection and life for all who are in Christ. And that also is important for us to understand. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we will be raised from the dead. Because Jesus Christ lives, we will live. Because what he did, he did for us. And it is most important to view the life and ministry of Jesus Christ in terms of the union that we have in Christ. And that truth is most important to understand who we are as Christians because we say we are in Him. And when we say we are in Him, we're talking about spirit baptism. When we are first saved, we are baptized, spiritually placed into spiritual relationship in the body of Christ. And furthermore, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us in so His presence also keeps with it the presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but He is present in us. So we can say we are in Him and He is in us. But the whole of our life and the whole of our eternal life is based upon our union with Jesus Christ. Whatever happens to Christ happens to us. So we can say because He lives, we live. Because he suffered, we suffer. Because he was resurrected, we will be resurrected. Because he ascended, we will ascend. Because he was enthroned in heaven, we shall sit upon the throne in heaven. We shall be accepted and, and received and even honored. Just remember, when you are honored in heaven, it's because you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. 
And you're the recipient of all the blessings in Christ. And you are in Him. And so when God puts the crown upon your head, you say, well, I'm not worthy that God should put a crown upon your head. Well, I say, if God should put a crown upon your head, He is crowning Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is the crown upon Christ. And because He was victorious over sin and death, we will be victorious over sin and death. Whatever sin, whatever difficulty, whatever struggles you are facing, Jesus Christ secured the victory for you. So you will be victorious. Whatever Christ is, we are. That's the blessing of this union that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have the victory and all the privileges and all the blessings of Jesus Christ. So when you see the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you see the same thing that you will see With Jesus Christ on the cross, when you see the resurrection, you see the same thing you see when he's there on the cross, and you will also see the blessings that you have in him. All that he did, all that he secured for you. So the Christian life is based on the blessings secured and provided for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. What's interesting is when you go back to Psalm 103, is you're looking in the Old Testament, and you're looking at the promises of what will be. And it is so strong of what will be, the psalmist speaks of what is for them now. But still, it's, it's looking forward. We always read the psalms in light of the ministry of Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection for us. We, we read of him in light of all the blessings. But the psalmist and those in the Old Testament were always looking forward. And they were always saying, well, the Messiah is coming. And, and he will establish his kingdom. And he will save us. And, and, and he will be the one who blesses us. And, and he blesses us so much that we say that we can be clothed in his righteousness even now. Well, the righteousness of Christ and the death and the forgiveness of sins was yet to be accomplished in the future. But they lived in light of the reality of that for them in the Old Testament scriptures. Because when God gives his word, the only thing that separates God's speaking his word and the accomplishment of that word is time. Not whether or not it will happen. It's just time. So they experienced all the blessings. But here is a psalm in which David is rejoicing and pointing out the significance and the importance of praising God. But the underlying reason for praising God is, especially for us as Christians, as we understand more even than David understood about this, we're at our best when we're always in right relationship with God. David would understand that. But furthermore, we are in Christ and God is in us. When God made Adam, he made, God made man apart from himself. He made the creation. And when he made the creation, the creation had the opportunity to turn and walk away and go away from God. And by nature of being made apart from God, that, that's a part of the nature of this creature, that he can turn and walk away. And when Adam walked away, he walked away for all of us. And so we all walked away. And so we're all sinners walking away. But when God brings us back, he does not bring us back to being like Adam, in fellowship with him, in a state of goodness. 
that all is very wonderful. When God brings us back, he brings us back and he places us in perfect union with him. So that in all eternity, we cannot depart from him. We are in him and he is in us. So every way we turn, we're turning in his direction. That's a, that's a wonderful relationship to have with the Lord. And that's what is promised. Well, David can speak of these promises and the things in the future uh, in part because God unfolds his truth and unfolds revelation and tells what he is giving and tells what he is providing gradually. And so we learn more about God's purposes and all his accomplishments as time goes forward. But you can be sure that every blessing that we receive will be received by the Old Testament saints in the same way that it's received by us. Because in the end, we all receive the blessings of Jesus Christ. And we are all in him. So this is a psalm that talks about the significance of being blessed by God. And I would add to that the significance of being in him. For us as new, new covenant believers, the blessing of being in him and he in us. Well, this... This psalm begins with a call to worship. On Sunday morning, um, Matthew does a, a, a good job of, of standing up. We like to have the announcements first, just as a form of um, things that we're doing here as a church. We need to make some announcements and talk about things taking place. The, the service, uh, in one sense, begins with Matthew's reading of the text of Scripture because it's as if he's giving a call to worship. He's saying, let us worship the Lord. And so there's a, a, a call to worship, and that's what you have in this psalm. In the first five verses are a call to worship. Let me read these verses and make uh, some observations about them. I'm going to walk you through this psalm because the psalm is about praising God and the necessity of praising God, and the blessing of praising God. So he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. What are his benefits? Well, here they are. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's the call to worship. A couple things about the call to worship. The call to worship is a personal call to David, and he calls to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. David is talking to David. And part of the Christian life is being able to talk to ourselves. But more importantly, I like to say to preach to yourself, because it's not just talking to yourself, but you're taking God's word and talking to yourself about what God's word is because we are forgetful. And there's a sense if I'm talking to myself, I can say to my soul, okay, now, my soul, you need to remember 
who God is. You need to remember what God has done for you. You need to remember the blessings that He gives. Because when we live our lives, the way I look at life, our circumstances scream at us. You say, what do you mean they scream at me? Well, our circumstances are very loud in terms of our perception, the difficulties of life. And the difficulties of life weigh us down, and they become a great burden. And you can even tell when people are under the burden of life and under the burden of difficulties, and, and, and they're, they, they're heavy laden. It's, 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 it's a burden they carry. And the, the circumstances say and can scream at you and say things like, this difficulty that you're facing is never going away. God does not care for you. God does not hear you when you're praying. You say, well, some of that doesn't sound like my circumstances are screaming at me. It sounds like the devil is screaming at me. Well, he screams at you too. The world screams at you too. It says, the world says, well, since God's not doing a whole lot for you, why don't you come be with us? Uh, we'll take care of you. But you hear a lot of voices going on, so you need to hear your own voice. And sometimes your own voice has to talk to you and say, no, uh, no, straighten up, and you need to listen because there's something you need to remember. Then in view of all your circumstances that are giving you all kinds of bad advice and bad counsel, you need to hear the word of the Lord. And you need to praise Him. Why should I praise Him? In the, in the face of, of the life's difficulties, why should I praise Him? And the answer is, because all of your blessings are from Him. All of your blessings are from Him. And that never changes whatever your circumstances may scream. It never changes. And in fact, in difficult circumstances of life, the most important thing for us is to be in right relationship with God and to make sure that we're listening to His voice, that we're listening to Him. So that's why I say it's not talking to yourself. It's preaching the Word of God to your soul, my soul, all that is me, inside of me. Listen up. You need to hear the Word of God. What does God do for us? Well, if you look at the previous psalm, David is not singing this same way. If you look at Psalm 102, it says, Hear my prayer, O God, and, and, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call. Answer me speedily. Why is he talking like that? Well, because he's praying out of his circumstances. He's praying out of the difficulties. And he said, the difficulties are upon me. God, help, help me. A answer my prayer. Please, when I pray, do, do something. But here in, in this psalm, and some people put these two psalms together, but in, in, in this psalm, he's, he's recalling. I think these two psalms can go together perfectly. In fact, I think they go together at the same time. It's not that in Psalm 102, he's praying for the Lord to provide. In Psalm 103, he's blessing the Lord because the Lord has provided. 
I think we pray Psalm 103 when we're in Psalm 102. I think they're companion. And, and in the difficulties of life and when it seems like our circumstances scream, then that's when we say, well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. What are his benefits? Well, he forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He sets you free. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness. By the way, the word loving kindness is the loyal, faithful love of God. It's interpreted in many ways. I like the loyal love is a good definition of this. The covenant love of God, the faithful love of God. It's almost if you say the faithful loving kindness, which those two terms go together oftentimes in the Psalms, you're being repetitive because you're saying the faithful, faithful love, faithful, faithful love. Because his faithful love is faithful. It's just emphasizing that you cannot get away from the love of God. Not that you want to, but there's never a circumstance in which the love of God is not upon you. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed as the eagles. Don't forget his benefits. Don't forget all that he accomplishes for you. Let me say something about his benefits. It's very important to realize this in terms of the benefits that the Lord gives. The benefits that you receive from the Lord in this life are very important and most meaningful to us. When the Lord answers prayer, when the Lord provides, when the Lord gives you assurance, when the Lord impresses his truth upon your heart, it is a great blessing. I don't take anything away from the great blessings that the Lord gives in this life. I would have lost hope if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. So the Lord calls upon us to wait upon him and to look to him for the blessings that he gives. But I can also tell you this. The blessings that you receive in this life are only a taste of the blessings that you shall receive in the life to come. Only a taste. You say, well, you just got through saying they're very great. I said, they are great. It tastes great, doesn't it? It's only a taste, though, because when it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not of me, who forgives all your iniquities, they are forgiven forever, who heals all your diseases, You say, well, I know Christians who die of disease. In fact, we all die of disease eventually. He heals all your diseases? Well, he's healing us every day. But the healing will really be seen in all eternity. Who redeems your life from destruction? You're going to see that in in this life, but also in eternity. Crowns you with his, his love and tender mercies. We're just tasting those things in this life. It's a, it's a foretaste of the, of the glory to come. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that youth is renewed like an eagle's. David's, David is talking about what, what he is seeing, what he is, but, but the words that are used here are used and would indicate how much more he's going to see when we are standing in the presence of the Lord himself.
So there is great expectation of the things to come that are really spelled out here in this passage. But he says, that's our responsibility. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He said, well, David, what what about your circumstances? He goes, my circumstances don't change. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. I always think you take the circumstances of your life, which are so crushing, and you bring them, and I always like to think of this, and you break them on the word of God. You say, what do you mean you break them? And it doesn't, your circumstances don't go away. I said, they don't go away, but what is of greater significance than our circumstances is the promise and the truth of God's Word. That's what I know. So if I take my circumstances that scream at me, and I take the Word of God, which speaks in a small voice to me, and I say, which is greater, my circumstances or the Word of God? It's the Word of God that is greater. It is my relationship with God that defines who I am and defines my life more so than my circumstances. My circumstances, and I love to say this to people, your circumstances do not define your life. Your circumstances do not define who you are and your life. Your relationship with Jesus Christ defines who you are. Your relationship with God is what is the defining influence in your life. That's why you can praise Him every day, no matter what circumstance you're in. Well, then in verses 6 through 14, He talks about the ways of the Lord. And again, you see the loving kindness and the faithful love of the Lord. He talks about the faithful love, His loyal loving kindness. But he first speaks of Moses and Israel, and then he talks about the Lord and those who fear him. But notice verses 6 through 10 first. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. You know, if we were punished for our sins and destroyed and judged by God for our iniquities, none of us would be here today. In fact, they all would have been washed away with the flood. That would have been it. That's, that's about all the time is needed. In fact, that was even too long. Cain and Abel found out about that soon after the fall of man. But it says the Lord executes righteousness and justice for the oppressed. I mean, it, it means he takes and he lifts up the oppressed. The children of Israel were oppressed in Egypt. And what did, what did God do for them? Well, he goes to his people and he lifts them up out of their oppression. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And what did they do? Well, they were faithful followers of God. Well, you know that's not true because you've read the account. The children of Israel were always turning away. They had the, they had the, the law of God before their faces, but they didn't have oftentimes the law of God in their hearts. So they were directed by what is in front of them. 
And oftentimes they turned and they listened to the voices that were screaming at them and they walked away to those voices. And it seems like the Lord, in, in all of his justice, in all of his faithfulness, should have wiped out the nation of Israel and wiped us out long ago. But not so. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in mercy. He will not always strive with us, will he keep his anger forever? He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. This is, this is the Lord's mercy and the Lord's faithfulness. You know, David, in whatever circumstance he was in, even his own sinfulness, came to the Lord. And sometimes he'd have to come to the Lord and say, I have failed you. I have disobeyed you. I have been disobedient. Sometimes he says, the enemies are about me. I need your help. But he's always coming to the Lord. Why? Because he knew that his God is a merciful God, is a compassionate God. And he, know, he knew that when God sets his covenant faithfulness upon him and sets his love upon him, that his love never fails. That's why this psalm could be a companion uh, to Romans chapter 8. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. That's what David is saying. In all the circumstances, we know that God lifts us up out of being oppressed. And when we are sinful, he's not always angry with us. This is a holy, righteous God. Who one sin that we commit is is sufficient to condemn us forever. And yet he's a, a, a compassionate, loving God. How can he ever save us? How could God ever save any of us? And the answer is because he is a loving and compassionate God. You say, well, I thought he's a God of justice. I said he is a God of justice. But wouldn't you know he, he accomplishes his perfect justice and our perfect salvation by Christ upon the cross? That's why Christ is so necessary to our salvation, because it is his provision by his love and his mercy for us. And God accomplishes all that. So when we are oppressed, he is there. When we are sinful, he is there. When he's accomplishing his purposes in our life, he is there. He's always there. We were reminded this morning when Mary is weeping and weeping and weeping because Jesus is, his, seems that it all is lost. He's standing right behind her. I like that imagery. And so many times we can look at our circumstances and our circumstances can say, all is lost. And the Lord says, I'm right here. I'm not lost if I have the Lord. I'm not lost if he is with me. That's what David is saying here. In oppression, he's there. In our sinfulness, he will not always be angry with us, with strive with us. And then he talks about this loyal love. For the heavens, verse 11, for the heavens are high above, the, as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his child, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. He says, 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not who he is. For as the heavens are high above the earth, and that's, by the way, is infinite as far as we, we can tell, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. There's the fear of the Lord in this psalm by the people of God who are looking to him. The people of God are characterized by fearing God. And sometimes the translation is to reverence him, but it's the word to fear. It's to fear him. It's to have, it's have a, a reverential, if that makes it easier on you, but it's to have the fear of God, of the fear of being disobedient to him. The fear of being out of relationship with him. The fear of the otherness of God, which God is so great and so vast that we bow down before him. There will always be the fear of God accompanied with the love of God. And both of those are true. We fear him, we love him at the same time. But it is his mercy that saves us. He is a God who is full of mercy. He's a father who pities his children. So the Lord pities those who fear him. And again, this last statement is most important. He first speaks of us in terms of being a father with a child, and secondly, he speaks of us in terms of being the creator with the creature. He knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. I know all of you have done work around the house. And I know there is a time in your life, if none of you have ever done this, then this will be new to you. But I think you've all done that. You've taken a broom and swept up the dust and put it in a dustpan. Next time you do that, look down at that dust and say, I just love you. I just love you. You are just so wonderful. What we are is dust. But God took a pile of dust and he made us in the image and likeness of himself and he put body, soul, and spirit together and he made us. But there's always a dust aspect of our being. And God looks upon us and he loves us. That's like loving the dustpan. We are but dust. Is the dust worthy? No, the dust is not worthy. Is the dust honoring? No, the dust is not. The dust is dust. And God looks at us as a father looks at a child. But he also looks as the creator and knows that we are but dust. That means he looks at us, he knows our infirmities, he knows our weakness, he knows that we are creatures that are made most dependent upon him. And when this relationship with God is not intact, this man, this pile of dust is in great trouble. And that's true for all of us. We ought to look at ourselves and I am just, I am animated dust. And we take care of ourselves, we nurture ourselves, 
We minister to ourselves in every possible way. But when the day comes that we die, if we die and we're in the grave long enough, we shall turn to dust. Because we are dust of the earth and we're made to be dust. But God looks at us and he says, I I look at you like you're my children. I look at you also in another sense like you're but dust. Does that change the compassion of God and the faithfulness of God? Does he ever look at us and say, well, you know, you're like dust. Sometimes you're blowing around in the wind. It's just uh, you're all over the place. You're like dust. Why should I be faithful to you? He never says that. His loyal love never fails you. Never. That's amazing. And here is the, the Lord speaking. He says, whether you are found in, in, in difficulty, whether you are found in iniquities and sins, whether you are oppressed, the Lord looks upon us and, as dust. And that's, that's one of the reasons why he could look at the disciples and as... And as they were not there when he was crucified and when they were not believing when he was resurrected from the dead, you know, he could rebuke them. But he looks at them like a father looks at a child or in that instance like brothers. And he also sees that they are but dust. And he knows that the truth, he has to teach the truth to their hearts and, or they'll never know the truth. But, but it's, it's amazing that God loves us. We should be overwhelmed. You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A pile of dust like me. It's amazing. The love of God, that God's love should be upon us, that he should set his love upon us and say, I'm never going to fail you. I'm always loving you, which means I'm always seeking your greatest good at the price that I pay. It's, it's my cost my sacrifice to seek your greatest good and I am purposeful to bring you to glory and it's not because of you, it's because of me and I will never fail. My love for you will never fail. And that's what he says. But there's a contrast that's given in verses 15 through 18 and the contrast is between man and the loving kindness of God. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And his place remembers it no more. We're familiar with looking at the grass in the field. And there are places in certain times of the year when you can go, and the grasses are covered with flowers sometimes. It's beautiful. And it's short-lived, and it's gone. And suddenly it's all dried up and withered away and gone. And its place remembers it no more. But, verse 17, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children to such as keep his covenant and those who remember his commandments to do them. Upon all who fear him. So David is not minimizing his responsibility in light of who God is. He says, this is the God who is. And I don't know why he doesn't, in this passage, speak of the the love of, of himself for God. I don't know why he wouldn't say for those who love him. But I think 
David is not wanting to give the impression that God loves him and he loves God, and there's sort of an equality in this relationship, and what brings these two together is, is, the, is the co-ministry, is, the, is this bringing of ourselves to God. But he says, Here, here's this mighty God, and our response is really to, to fear him. If you fear him, you will obey him. If you fear him, you will love him. But fear is the truth that is addressed here in this passage. And the mercy of the Lord is everlasting, everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children to such who keep his covenant, to fear him, who obey him. To remember his commandments, to do them. So this is David talking to David. And David talking to us in the psalm, but David talking to David and says, this is what you must continually bring to mind is bring the Lord to your mind. When your circumstances come, you bring the Lord to mind and you praise him. And you praise him with all your heart, with all your soul, because he is the one who defines our being. And we are like this with God, hand in glove with God, so to speak. We, we are made for Him. And when we are away from Him, we are falling apart. Everything is wrong. We are made for God. He made us in His image and likeness to be for Him. And so we are always should be re reminding ourselves of what it is about Him that we need. And to speak of our love for God at this point could be true, but it's not the point. The point is that we should fear Him and obey Him and, and be in right relationship with Him because He's the mighty God and we are the dust and we cling to Him and we hold on to Him for all His benefits because He is amazing. And in one sense, it's not amazing that we should love God because God is so wonderful we can love him conditionally, based on the condition of who he is. We love him because he's perfect. We love him because he never fails. We love him because he never lets us down. We love him because he never abandons us. He never drops us. He never leaves us in the midst of our difficulties. He, he's promised this. We love him for all that he is. But he loves us, even though we're dust. And even our, our life is just a, a vanishing existence. But what gives our life significance is not us, it's Him. Sometimes people are remembered for being famous and doing famous things. But very few people are remembered for being famous. Most of the people that live on this earth are never, they're remembered for maybe one generation, perhaps two generations. And then they are forgotten. But it's not... Our significance is not in the things that we do and the great accomplishments that we have in this life and whether we're so famous that we can get maybe a day named after us. That would be nice. And so everybody remembers George Washington's birthday. So we remember George. But we don't remember all the other people who lived. The common, ordinary people that lived during the day of George Washington. But there are many people. But what gives life significance is the loving kindness of God that never fails. And that's what holds us. And notice the concluding word in this passage. And by the way, notice in this how it goes from the great to the small. 
Bless the Lord. Well, let me say, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. The Lord has established his sovereignty forever. The Lord has established his kingdom. The Lord has established his throne. So then he says to the angels, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Then he speaks all the host. That includes all of the creation. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. And he speaks of his works. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. That means the trees and the flowers and the animals. They bless by being the trees and the flowers and the animals. But they reflect his glory. Everything reflects his glory. Bless him. But then he ends up with, bless the Lord, O my soul, me. It's interesting. You go from God to the angels to the host to his servants to the host to all the places of his dominion to your soul. And one of the ways that we honor and please the Lord is by always remembering his benefits and always praising him, praising him for all that he has done for us. In the worst of your circumstances, you can always praise God. Because in the worst of your circumstances, he's always God. And he's always the God that is described in this psalm, and he's always the God that's described in this Bible. And you can always find reason for saying to him, thank you for loving me. Thank you that your loyal love never fails, that your mercy and your compassion and your sovereign rule and your dominion has embraced me. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for the righteousness of Christ. Thank you for the blessings that you pour out upon us. When we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can say, thank you that when Jesus Christ was resurrected, he was resurrected for my soul, for me. Amazing, for me. How do I know that? Because Jesus Christ says, all who come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. So I look at Jesus in his death, and I say, that death was for me. I look at Jesus Christ in his resurrection, I say, that, that resurrection, that's for me. And I look for his ascension into glory, I say, that's for me. And I look at him being seated at the right hand of the Father. I say, that's for me. And I look at Jesus Christ coming again. I say, that's for me. I'm not being boastful. I'm not being proud. I'm just speaking as a pile of dust. But I'm speaking as the pile of dust, as, as the flower that appears for a time and then vanishes. But I'm speaking of, of me in light of who I am in Christ, in light of the blessings that I have in him. And those blessings never fail. So we have a great hope in our God. And always we have reason in every time of life, in the blessings of life, in the trials of life, in the difficult times of life, in every part of life, to speak to our own souls and say, soul, remember. Remember your God. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done for you. Remember that he never fails. Remember that his compassion and his love and his mercy is focused on me, my soul. 
We say those things to our own hearts and lives because that's the truth. So don't define yourself by your circumstances. Don't define yourself by the problems and difficulties of life. Define yourself by the God who loves you, who saves you, who keeps you, who is sanctifying you, who is taking you to glory, who will glorify you forever. That's who you are. And say, glory be to God, and bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Never forget who you are. Never forget who you are in Christ. Never forget who you are because God is God, and he is our hope. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you are the defining influence in all of life. And you are the defining influence in our lives because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And we abide in Christ, and he abides in us. You are in us. The Holy Spirit is in us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in each one of us. You've set your love upon us, and your love never fails. You're accomplishing your purposes in our lives, and your purpose will never be thwarted. You will accomplish your purpose of sanctification and glorification in us because you love us. And your love, your loyal love never fails. So we thank you. And we thank you in all of this life for all that you do for us and all that you've accomplished for us. And we know that as we enjoy your benefits in this life, which are a great mercy to us and a great privilege for us to see, we realize it's but a taste of all that you shall accomplish for us throughout all eternity. Thank you for loving such as us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your loyal love that never fails. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.